welcome to the Pastured Pig Podcast, where we share the successes and challenges of raising pigs on pasture. We talk to producers all over the country, from small homesteads to large commercial pasture operations. Whether you're new to pastured pigs or have been raising hogs for decades, we hope you hear new ideas and new perspectives on pasturing hogs. Here's your host, Troy McClung. Well, over, everybody. This is Troy with the Pastured Pig Podcast. Um, on today's episode, we're going to do something a little different. Uh, we normally, of course, have uh, great guests that we interview about their pastured pig setups and and what they're into and how they do their processes. But today, I wanted to be more topical, and uh, we'll be flying solo today. And this is something that I run into. The topic today is something I run into on a regular basis, not not only just for uh, pig farming, but uh, uh, for small farming and, and maybe even broader when it comes to just general small business. Uh, but today I want to talk about um, why Facebook isn't enough for your pastured pig marketing efforts. And uh, obviously that's a, that's a pretty broad statement. So let's, let's dive right into this. That way we don't spend a lot of time... Uh, just riffing here at the beginning. But uh, first, let me give you a little background. Again, I know a lot of times I feel like I'm, uh, well, most of the time I feel like I'm kind of broadcasting into the abyss, not quite sure who's listening, uh, what uh, what the backgrounds are there, and, and of course not knowing what you all know about uh, uh, me or Red Toolhouse. Well, um, just a quick background, little, um, a little quick history here when it comes to marketing is um, I've been in the marketing business for uh, a little over 22 years now, uh, the last 14 of those years, um, uh, owning my own marketing company in West Virginia, and um, focus on a lot of traditional marketing all the way up to digital marketing, uh, what you consider the most modern marketing options right now. Uh, that's been, uh, that's, we've been blessed. We, we've had a good, uh, we've got a good business. It works well for my business partner and I. And, and so that's, you know, that's my day job. And I, and I love being self-employed. I love marketing, but I also love farming. I, so that's, uh, it's kind of this internal struggle I have at times where I'd like to be, uh, on the farm. And then there's other times, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be in a meeting. I'd like to be discussing marketing plans with some business and helping them out. So it's, it's a juggle. I consider it, Left brain, right brain to some degree, although there's still a lot of intellectual prowess needed in pig farming. Uh, but it also, I always joke, it keeps me from being 500 pounds because if I sit behind a desk uh, every day uh, just doing marketing stuff, then uh, my lack of self-control would be a little too much there. So um, what I'm going to talk about, I think would be, it's not just necessarily focused on pig farming, but I think it would be appropriate for any small farm business. And like I said, could be even broader applicable to small business in general. But let's first talk about, I think to, to really set this up to explain why Facebook isn't enough and why you really need to be careful with that is, uh, is we kind of need to tee this up and, and approach this first point of what is the purpose of marketing your farm? So just because you raise pigs or you have chickens or whatever, you know, maybe you're at the homesteading level, you think, do I really need to, to market my farm? Well, I'd say no. I mean, the whole point of marketing, of course, is to uh, let people know who you are and, and what you offer. So I think if you look at this and say, well, um, I've raised pigs a couple years. I want to help pay for my feed costs and, and for getting new pigs each year and put a little um, you know, money back in my pocket or reinvest in infrastructure to grow. Then, of course, it's time to consider marketing your farm. And uh, so when you're ready to go beyond that step, you're ready to tell your story to others, then it's time, of course, to pull that trigger on marketing. 
And if you look at marketing, solid marketing is telling your story and what makes you or your farm unique or desirable. And I like to kind of break that down into some key points uh, when you look at basic solid marketing. And I say solid because anybody can market. You're really just telling your story. But if you want to look at solid marketing, you want to focus on some key points here. The first is who you are. And you can you can say, well, that's the trust factor. So who am I? Who is Red Toolhouse? Who is Troy McClung? You know, what, what trust factor am I trying to establish with letting people know uh, what my business is, you know, um, who we are, you know, who are you buying from, who are you getting products and service from. The next point is what you offer. And this is, you know, this is kind of a no brainer. So you're going to detail your products and services. And this is where you get into explaining uh, you know, what your products are. So in a sense of a pig operation that you know, we sell individual retail cuts. So we have bacon, we have bratwurst, we have sausage, we have pork chops, bone in, bone out, one inch thick, three quarter inch, you know, whatever the case may be. You're detailing uh, those products. And you're also getting into uh, some of the, the benefits of those products, uh, which is the next point is the, the benefits of consuming your product or what we we call in marketing the hook. So when you talk about, well, I have sausage, I have bacon, I have pork chops. Uh, this is this is why you need to buy my product. Uh, somebody could say, well, well, yeah, I can get that at Walmart. I can get that at the local grocery store. They sell bacon, they sell sausage, they sell pork chops. Why do I need to buy from you? Well, as you get into list those benefits, yeah, this, like I said, this is the hook of this. This is where you want to say, well, here's why I think you should buy my pork versus the Walmart pork. And again, depending on on what that is, you can say, well, I raise it on pasture. It's it's better cared for. It's not in a CAFO setting. It's fee, it's given better feed. Um, you know, the care is taken from you know, from the beginning to the end. And uh, you, know, you really are underscoring the benefits of your product. And, and some of those benefits could even be price, although in a pig operation, you're not a pasture pig operation, you're not necessarily the cheapest price. Uh, but you know, price comes into uh, discussing the benefits there. That becomes one of the key elements as well. Now, if you look at this, um, you know, this whole point, this, this key point of solid marketing is kind of where uh, you kind of have that slimy, dirty feeling about marketing. It's like, yeah, but that's if you look at modern marketing, isn't that overly exploited? And of course it is. You know, you look at um, you know, your typical any ad, any consumerism ad, it's, hey, if you buy my product, you will run faster, jump higher, look sexier, uh, fit in a pair of jeans, the, the chicks will dig you, the guys will dig you, whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, that's the whole thing. If you have if you have this product, your life is going to be better simply because people are going to like you better. Uh, yeah, that's that's where marketing kind of derails and, and to me gets um, even a bit immoral when it comes to uh, that approach that uh, yeah, the hook is overdone. It's overstated. And um, I think of, you know, for, you know, things that just pop into my head. I think a lot of major car manufacturers really hang on this, especially obviously the higher end cars, because they have to justify, you know, why should you buy an $80,000 whatever sports car? And uh, you know, it seems like the, the trend now is to make your neighbors jealous, to make your friends think that, oh, wow, you know, Troy's really got it together. He must be making a lot of money. He's driving a, a new Jaguar or something. <clears throat> so, you know, those are the type of things where, um, you know, a, a good solid hook is exploited and, and it takes marketing a little too far there. But, yeah, that's the nature of the business to some degree.
<clears throat> the, um, the last key point is what we call the call to action or CTA. So this is you know, how, how are people going to order from your pastured pig operation? How do they pick it up? Um, you know, what hours are you open if you have a farm store? Um, how do I respond? You know, what number do I call? Do I, can I order online? You know, that call to action is you're basically telling the people, okay, here, here's who I am. Here's what I offer. Here's the benefits of what I'm offering. And here's how you get to order. So that call to action is, is something that needs to be strong. It needs to be, um, uh, it really needs to be clear and concise so people know, oh, if I want to get pork chops from Troy, I need to just send him an email and say, Troy, I want pork chops. Or I want to go to his website and I, I can put these pork chops in a shopping cart. Click here, give my credit card number, whatever the case may be. You want to make sure that the customers know exactly how clear and concise your call to action is. Now, obviously, we could spend, my goodness, we could spend an entire podcast just on this subject alone about setting up, you know, taking these four key points and setting those up step by step for a uh, pastured pig operation or a small farm. I'm not going to do that. Uh, that gets very deep into the weeds and, and you know, some of you guys may already be glassing over here, you know, eight minutes into this podcast. Um, but let's, let's move on. If you're looking at, um, at Facebook, um, and looking at marketing, in particular as a small farm, again, not uh, not too many startup small farms or pig operations are flush with marketing dollars. Usually, your disposable income goes into just the things you need to get your uh, farm, keep your farm operational. You know, the feed costs, um, equipment costs, uh, you know, the actual supply, you know, buying the pigs, uh, those type of things, the processing fees. So, you know, I don't expect everyone to have a, a very uh, detailed budget to say, okay, I'm going to I'm going to market with 10% of my overall gross, and this is the I'm going to allocate uh, these funds here and there, and here's a sp- uh, specific ROI I want for my marketing. Blah 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 blah. Yeah, I, I don't expect most small farms to have that. And uh, so when you look at the cheap and easy option when it comes to marketing, you say, how do I get my message out the quickest and cleanest way? You know, the logical step, of course, is to turn to social media. Uh, that is the benefit that we have living in this time that we do. You know, 20 years ago, you didn't have that option. Uh, but a lot of people turn to social media. And in, in particular, Facebook and Instagram seem to be the the most popular when it comes to business on social media. And Facebook, e- even uh, further ahead than Instagram, uh, it seems to be that businesses really kind of camp out on uh, on, on marketing on Facebook. And there's some obvious reasons there. The, the first is it's free. You know, it doesn't cost you anything to have a Facebook account. And when I say Facebook account, I'm not talking about uh, your personal Facebook account where you're, you have all your friends and you get to share crazy cat videos and all that stuff. I'm talking about a business page on Facebook. So this is an actual page that has your business uh, name, has the details, you know, hours of operation, uh, summaries, pictures, posts, whatever the case may be. So those pages, of course, are free and very easy to set up. You know, Facebook is easy. That's that's the reason why it's as popular as it's been for so long is it's easy to learn. It's easy to set up. Um, most of you all that are listening probably have a Facebook account already. If you don't and you're my age or older, maybe ask your kids to show you how to do it. <laughs> it's it's very easy to set up. And, of course, the, the platform um, really is, is simple to navigate and is simple to disseminate information. You can share your pictures, your videos, and other details about your, your farm, your operation, very easy. It literally is, okay, I've got this 
mobile device in my hand. I'm out in the pasture. Bang, there's a picture I took of my pig. I'm going to upload it and say, hey, holes in half sales coming up soon. Uh, stay tuned type of thing. You know, that's that easy to do. You didn't even have to leave the pasture and voila, you're marketing. And you know, if you if you look at the next step of that too with uh, Facebook, you could even get to where you can run paid ads, where you'd be reaching a new audience beyond your existing audience associated with your page. Now that's a whole again, that's a whole other episode there as well, and and I don't know that that has its place on the Pastured Pig podcast. Maybe y'all could give me some feedback if you think it does. But um, you know, there's there's ways that you can spend money and be more deliberate with your marketing, even on Facebook. That's a free platform. And the same with Instagram. You know, Facebook owns Instagram, so they kind of walk hand in hand. But what I want to look at really right now is the issues with Facebook. Um, you know, there's there's some obvious ones, um, but you, you know, you, the the first and, and, and obvious issue is this need to build your audience. So you think about it if if you start a Facebook page today, and let's say it's called ABC Farms. And so I create ABC Farms Facebook page. Bang, it's live. It's got a really cool picture of a pig. I got a killer logo. Um, I've got my about all written out, the philosophy of why we do what we do and, and how cool our pork is and why you should buy it. I have all of it there. And I've built it. You know, it's like the field of dreams. You know, I've built it. Now they should come. Well, that's not how Facebook works, of course. You know, with Facebook, uh, you've got to get people to like or follow you. When it comes to your page, so uh, if ABC Farms went live today, it has zero likes and zero friends. Well, the first thing I'm going to do, of course, is I'm going to like it from my personal page, and I'm going to ask my wife to like it, and then I'm going to ask my friends to like it, and then I'm going to start asking on my personal page, "Hey, would you share this? Would you get people to like my page just because I need likes?" And that's where that you know, kind of runs off the rails. People look at those likes and say, well, I just I need the volume. I need numbers. It's got to be pure numbers for likes for people to uh, for my business to be successful, for my marketing, social media marketing to be successful. But you know, if you think about it, if you could poll all of your friends that you have, and I say friends in air quotes with my uh, fingers in the air here, all of my friends on Facebook, A, how many people even know who I am? <laughs> B, how many people have regular conversation with me? And see how many people are going to be in the market for my product. So in this circumstance, uh, pastured pork. So if I get my friends and my family to ask their friends to like my page and I get up to maybe 200, which is pretty, uh, you know, it would be pretty exciting if, if that many friends liked my page initially out of the gate. I'm up to 200. I'm like, wow, okay, I've got 200 followers now. Um, I'm going to be able to get some sales. Well, that's not necessarily the case. You know, you don't necessarily have 200 potential customers or, or actual uh, customers. You may have you may have a very small percentage of potential customers and a larger percentage of people that just said, well, yeah, Troy or Troy's wife asked me to do this. I'm going to do it. Uh, so I'd like it. So you know, those type of things run into run into. Um, you know, kind of build a little obstacle there. So, so looking at that and saying, well, you know, with Facebook, you need to build that audience, and that could take months, if not years. If you're not willing to throw money at that, and again, that's another discussion where you can pay to actually try to get more people to like and follow your page. Definitely some pros and cons there. Uh, so you got to build that, uh, build that audience. But let's say fast forward, you, you've done really well. You've you've gotten a, a large audience. You know, and for a small farm, I would say, goodness, you know, 500 or more would be a would be a nice benchmark there to say, you know, I've, I've got a lot of good followers at that point. So even if you had 
uh, you know, 500 there, you know, those followers or likers are not guaranteed to sue to see every post that you post. So, you know, if I if I've got 500 on mine and I go out today and say, "Hey, right now we have a special, an internet special, which I currently do have, that if you buy 5 pounds of uh, breakfast sausage, we'll throw in an extra pound for free, so you get 6 pounds for the price of 5." So I post that on my Facebook page today, knowing that I've got 500 followers and think, okay, 500 people are going to see this post. So, you know, you know the law of averages, if I get 1% of people to respond, then that should be five orders, right? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. That, that'll work. Um, it doesn't happen. I'm thinking, oh, wow. Yeah, why, why did that not happen? Well, as you go in and look at your Facebook analytics, you can see, well, okay, that post that I posted yesterday... 500 people didn't see it. In fact, it only looks like maybe 30 people saw it or 80 people saw it or 120 people saw it. Why why did why didn't this go show all 500 people? Well, yeah, the simple answer to that is yeah, there, there's really no there's no clear logical reason. Uh, Facebook of course will give you some suggestions and and I'll go through those. The first and obvious one is maybe somebody wasn't maybe Many of those 500 people weren't on Facebook in the last 24 hours. Maybe they didn't get on Facebook until this morning and you posted that or I posted my post yesterday morning. And as you know, the way Facebook works is a timeline series. So chronologically, there could be 40, 50, 80, 500 posts ahead of you now uh, because that's just the way it works. So only if people are scrolling back, back and back and back, do they see your post. But even now, with the, the way Facebook has changed their algorithm and, and how they interact, they look at interaction history. So if you've got 500 people that liked your page simply out of they felt it was the charitable thing to do because Troy's trying to build his business, but I'm not going to like any of his stuff. I don't comment. I, you know, I kind of flip through it because I'm, I'm looking for my crazy cat videos. I don't want to find out about things about pigs. I don't even like bacon. I don't know who those people are, but I, I, I understand there's some of those people out there. <clears throat> so you look at that and say, well, based upon the interaction, Facebook will, will, will do some interaction or Facebook will look at the interaction history and say, okay, out of the 500 people that like this page, there's really only about 20% that really engage on this. You know, they click likes, they look at the pictures, they open up the posts, they comment. So maybe those are the only ones that are going to see this post about my sausage special. Pardon me one second. <clears throat> What happens when I talk too much? So the the issue becomes then Facebook decides, well, I don't think that 500 people really want to follow this page. And you know, there's there's what's called timeline overload. There's only so much room, uh, space that Facebook can post things to your timeline because most people out there like 6,000 different things. So they can't show all of those things and fit it into one person's timeline. So they start looking at interaction history and say, Okay, this guy really likes these 10 things the best, even though he says he wants to follow the last 500. Uh, so th there's a chance that a lot of your posts don't even land in your entire universe of likers simply because they're not interacting with you enough. You know, the thing that goes along with that, too, is, you know, Facebook is, uh, I like to call Facebook a black box. They, um, they write the rules. So if you use the analogy of a kid on a playground with a bunch of toys, it's their toys, and it's even their playground. So if you decide you don't want to play their game, you don't want to play by their rules, and you don't want to play with their toys, then you have to leave the playground. 
So they they control everything when it comes to their platform. Um, granted, there's a lot of things in the news right now about are they a news source, are they editorial, uh, blah, 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 blah. Not Not part of this discussion. But really, as a small business with a Facebook page where you're trying to generate business, you have to play by their rules so they can move things around. So this, to me, is the core of this discussion. This is the big issue. This is why you cannot rely exclusively on Facebook for marketing your small farm. Because at any moment, Facebook can and will and has decided who can see, the, who can see your posts. So again, based upon this algorithm, things that they share with the, the general public, things that they don't share with the general public as to how this algorithm works. Uh, obviously, if they if they gave you all the details, then there'd be, be, be people out there gaming the system saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure everybody uh, sees my stuff because Facebook told me exactly how this works. So they hold some of those details close to their chest so they can decide who sees your posts. And again, if you follow the news, you see there's even some, you know, quote unquote, political conspiracy tied to that as well. Again, not getting into that. But, you know, some of these uh, posts being isolated, some of these pages being buried simply because of the political ideology associated with it. Facebook can also block out your pictures or your content. Uh, I'm sure you've seen that before. If you um, if you're on any of these uh, Facebook groups or you have friends that butcher animals or hunt, you may find out, hey, little Jimmy shot a deer and um, they posted a picture of it on Facebook, but it's blocked out and said this has graphic content and I have to click a button here to get that expand just to see little Jimmy there holding his deer. Why is that? Well, because it's a dead animal. Facebook um, at this time really doesn't like dead animal pictures on its platform. It doesn't like um, raw meat or butchered animals on its platform. It, um, it, it kind of uh, it pushes against that. It would like you to not share that information on your page. Um, to the point, it can go to the extreme where Facebook can actually remove your entire page. And uh, again, we've, we've seen that a lot. We've seen that on some of the, even the pastured pig forums, um, some other small groups uh, focused on uh, animal husbandry or farming, uh, hunting. Those, uh, those pages be taken down entirely simply because Facebook says, well, it exceeds or it goes against our terms of service or terms of use. So we're going to remove this entire page. And there really isn't a lot of recourse for, uh, for getting that back. Uh, once you're shut down, it's really tough to get that uh, reinstated. Facebook also, you know, if, if you manage to keep your page active and, and you didn't run into some of those issues, Facebook, by its very nature, of course, restricts you to be confined to their layout model. Uh, again, it's timeline based. So if you um, you can pin things, you can do certain certain steps to to get uh, certain information to stay at the top. But uh, just the very nature of the social media, it's made for people to just keep scrolling, keep looking, keep looking. You know, real simple consumption of of simple information, pictures, video, uh, just keep moving, flipping. It's, you know, it's the the epitome of short attention span of our culture today. So you're you're you have to live in those confines as well when it comes to promoting your your product or service. And you know the one thing that nobody on Facebook wants to talk about is you know, Facebook could become irrelevant soon. Um, the way tech transfers, you know, it could be tomorrow. 
probably wouldn't happen that way. But Facebook could go away at some point as it becomes irrelevant, as the platform fails, as there's um, you know, corruption and scandal associated with it, as uh, stock prices fail, as something new comes along that's better, you know, new and improved, better version of, of the social media platform. So it could go away. And... Um, and obviously, if that would happen, if Facebook says, hey, you know, we're, we decided we're going to hang it up. We're going to get into the, you know, Zuckerberg says we're going in a different area and we're not doing this anymore. They can pull the entire platform down. Again, probably not going to happen that way, but there's always that risk. And of course, just the evolution of online social media. Uh, these companies, their main purpose, of course, is to make money. So if they realize, wow, yeah, we've got a, a dip in our market share. You know, our, our quarterly reports aren't looking as good. What can we do? Well, uh, let's look at, at, at starting to charge uh, business pages for using our services. You know, everyone that's using our free platform is making money if they've got a business page. Maybe we need to start charging them. Maybe we need to charge them per like. Maybe we need to charge them a monthly fee or an annual fee or whatever the case may be, like uh, charge per interaction. You know, they have the freedom and the ability to do that. And you know, if you're trying to do some guerrilla marketing, some low-cost marketing on your Facebook page, and you find out, hey, I'm now going to start paying Facebook uh, regularly for my for those services that were once free, that's really tough to swallow and can obviously uh, kill your marketing efforts entirely. So I want to take this time now to run through a scenario, and I'm going to use um, in my personal, uh, in my farm stuff here as an example. So... If you were to go to Facebook and you go to Facebook pages and you would look for Red Tool House Farm, you would find our Facebook page, which currently has about 3,300 followers, I believe, last time I checked. So there's 3,300 followers that um, that say, I want to find out more information about Red Tool House or I want to be updated on when, when Red Tool House does whatever. Now, again, are those 3,300 people really that engaged? Probably not. There's probably a much smaller percentage of of that 3,300, that would really be considered my audience universe. You know, I've used this page um, uh, for years to communicate with people about our farm products, you know, what's going on, uh, when we have uh, pork available, or just you know, regular pictures about, hey, you know, people want to know where their pork comes from if they buy from me, so I want to kind of share a day in the life pictures on on my Facebook page. That's the general purpose of why we do that. You know, people get to see pictures that I post. I can share videos of, you know, here's my latest group of, of pigs, here's my, uh, here's my sow, here's fairwing day, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And I can also share my prices of my products uh, with a strong call to action. Hey, right now we've got that special. You know, buy five, get the, get the sixth one free. So people can respond. They can, uh, they can uh, place an order. You know, I'd say it's verbally. Obviously, they're not speaking to me, but they're, they're typing out, hey, Troy. I want to take advantage of that offer. Um, I would like to order five pounds of sausage and, and get that free sixth one. Uh, so we can use that platform to coordinate back and forth as to, okay, yep, I've got your order pulled. I'll meet you tomorrow at this location, and we'll be good to go. So you know, that, that's kind of the scenario that we're using now with Red Toolhouse. So with those 33 followers, that's the, that's the purpose of, of that page. But what if Facebook changed their algorithm and only a handful of my most active engagers saw my posts instead of those 3,300? Well, guess what? We're there already. So that's that's not a rhetorical question. That's not really a what if. There's a good chance that something I posted today is not going to be seen by even a, a 
tiny margin of that 3,300. In fact, when I go in and look at my algorithm or look at my um, analytics, that a typical post gets maybe 300 to 500 views, depending on on what it is. If it's if it's something that people like and share, and there's more engagement, then Facebook says, "Oh, wow, people like this. We're gonna we're gonna share it more with uh, Troy's audience of 3,300." And if people actually share it, then it gets outside of his uh, universe of 3,300. So that's really how that's working out now. So your posts, you know, my posts would have to be more engaging to get more looks, more views. Well, what if Facebook thought some of my processing pictures were too graphic um, or offensive to some and blocked those images out? Uh, Guess what? We're we're there already as well. Um, So if I've got uh, butchering day, uh, in in my circumstance, it would be chicken processing day and share those pictures. Then there's a there's a chance and it has in the past where they've been blocked out. Say, hey, this is too graphic, Troy. We're going to cover this up. We don't want you sharing that. Um, you know, what if Facebook's de- uh, Facebook decided that uh, you know, selling animal flesh violates their terms of use and deleted my page without warning? Again, we've talked about this happened to some. Uh, and then what if Facebook says you're using a page as a business and need to pay a fee uh, for each follower or, or a follower transaction? Again, not at that point, but that's that's something they could do. All of those what ifs, all of those scenarios that we just went through, potential scenarios, could drastically affect the performance of my marketing, thus affecting my business. So it's the proverbial eggs in the basket. You know, I've got all my eggs in the Facebook basket. You know, it took me years to build that following, that 3,300 people. It didn't happen overnight. It took me years to build that. And that could literally go away tomorrow. And I would have no legal recourse to get it back. You know, they could just shut it down because I'm selling animal flesh, because I'm whatever, you know, conservative, or I'm a, a farmer, or I'm a hunter, or I'm, you know, whatever anyone would say. They can literally pull that down without uh, without me really having much legal recourse there. If that was my only marketing conduit, I would lose everything. I would lose a way to communicate with all 3,300 of those people. Uh, and there's really no way, if that was where all my eggs were in that basket, there's really no way for me to get that back. And there's really no way for me to reach out in other ways to those 3,300 people. Now, yeah, I mean, some of them are my friends. I can say, hey, you know, my, they took my page down. I, you know, do you guys need pork? Uh, I'd like to sell you some. But that's nowhere near um, communicating with uh, that entire universe. So... So there's the there's the reason why you you shouldn't rely solely on Facebook. It's not enough. It shouldn't be enough in your grand scheme of things when it comes to your small farm marketing. So um, instead of just leaving everyone dangling, well, Troy, what do you recommend? You know, we all have Facebook pages. For me, my advice to you is: here's the fix: keep your Facebook page. Keep doing what you're doing on Facebook, but you got to have some redundancy. You got to have some backups, some countermeasures, if you will. My suggestion is you need a website that um, most small farms, when you're ready to do online business or when you're ready to, to do business and sell your product and use the web to, to draw traffic in, you need to have a website. A website gives you complete control over your message. You can post your pictures, you can share your videos. You can write your text. You can format it whatever way you want. And you have complete control over that. You know, nobody is going to audit you and say, oh, you can't say that or you can't share that picture. Now, granted, if it's pornographic or something stupid like that, then then obviously that, that becomes an issue. But when it comes to 
uh, farming practices and, and what we do on farms, there's nobody going to shut, that's going to be able to shut you down or, or edit or audit uh, your, your website. The next point of that is you also have complete ownership of that site. So again, if you if you do it right, you book your own domain. So redtoolhouse.com, you know, I own that domain. A, a web design service does not own it. An agency does not own it. I own it. So <clears throat> no matter what happens there, I will have control over that domain as long as I keep it up and you know pay the fee each year to renew it. And the same with the host to some degree where the website actually resides, that server somewhere in the world that those files reside. Um, if, if I am the one that set up that account, then uh, I have full uh, control over that server as well. Now, granted, those, some of those server farms crash, and depending on the amount of money you spent on that, there, there could be times it goes down. Uh, that's where backups and things come in handy. But you have um, ownership of that. That is legally yours. A website, of course, is completely customizable. You can change it to what you want, when you want. And, you know, to, to not veer off too much out of the marketing, uh, uh, deep into the marketing weeds, that uh, when you look at a website compared to all other media options, the website is the fastest and least expensive way to change your message. So if you've got a new order, you've got a new service, you've offered a new product, adding it to your website should be the cheapest way to do it than any other traditional form of media or any existing form of media. You know, if you you get a radio spot, obviously it's a big big deal to change that. Not that too many of us are doing radio right now. But uh, you can see that a a, a website allows you to make those changes quickly, cleanly, and with very little cost. Websites would be farm-friendly just by their very nature. Again, since you own it, uh, there, there's nobody out there right now looking to take down farming websites. Um, doesn't say that's not going to happen in the future, but right now uh, you can make your website farm-friendly because you have full control over it. Uh, websites are affordable. Um, you can get a website started uh, very inexpensively. Uh, your domain, your host, and then whatever you're going to, what platform you're going to use to uh, compose your website, uh, all that stuff's very, very simple. I mean, you can, you know, domain at GoDaddy is less than $20 a year. A, a hosting service, wherever you decide to land, uh, could be just a couple bucks a month, or you can pay a, you know, a, a smaller annual fee if you want. Um, it all depends on, on what you're trying to do there. Uh, you can uh, you can easily update those websites. Now, I put a little caveat by this, and I mean, I'm going to poke some people in the eye here, maybe. But the thing you got to watch when it comes to getting a website is is you may want to steer clear of these uh, proprietary systems, and those are the the Wix uh, website design courses of the world. They they can build you a very clean site, and you can you can make the changes. It's very user friendly. It's you know, what we call WYSIWYG. You know, what you see is what you get. Uh, you can make those changes pretty easily, but at no time do you own that site. Um, and some would even argue that you really don't even own the content on that site. If you look at the terms of service with those um, providers. So if you decide to, you want to transfer your website and say, well, uh, I want to do something that Wix won't allow me to do because their platform is restricted. It only has so much functionality or um, uh, they're charging me too much. I want to go somewhere else or it's time to... Uh, you not use the free version, I'm going to use the paid version, but I want to have this feature, whatever the reason may be, you'll quickly discover that there's no transferring that site. It's not like you can just pick that site up and move it somewhere else. The entire process of building that site is completely proprietary. 
And you will basically, I mean, you can copy and paste your information out of there, but you're basically going to have to rebuild that uh, from scratch if you decide to move that away. So that's my personal opinion. There's a lot of people that have websites with those um, systems and they work fine for them. And that's fine. Uh, But from my experience and and my um, advice would be steer clear of those. You can build websites. Uh, you, you don't have to be a web designer to get a website uh, to build it. You, you can start. There's there's very simple platforms that you can use. And uh, you crawl before you run. Your website may not look like um, you know, some big Fortune 500 company's website. But it can be navigable. It can be clean. It can be easy. It can be, it can be uh, appropriate for what you're trying to market on your, your farm. So what is the takeaway or you know, the in closing, you know, what do I, what do I want you to learn from this or, or take away from this discussion? Well, just, just look right now, do a, do an assessment. There's so many people that I've uh, encountered and run into with small farming. There's people that I've interviewed on this podcast that um, they are doing their pig farming or uh, other small farming efforts in an attempt to make money to generate revenue. And they are relying solely on their social media to provide the main conduit of communication with their customer base. So really, if you're in that situation or you know somebody in that situation, then just advise them, hey, you need to get your eggs out of that one basket. You need to broaden your uh, marketing reach there. Uh, Again, logically, I think the next step is that website. So get that website in place. Uh, do some research on that. Feel free to ask me questions. I'll, I'll answer anything I can through email. If, if you want to ping me, you can uh, send me an email at Troy at redtoolhouse.com. Be more than happy to share that information with you uh, of where to get started and how we do it. Uh, there's 6,000 different ways to put a website together, um, and, and most of them are, are very valid and, and easy to use. And one other little little bonus tip, little caveat here that I recommend, and I recommend this for any business. This isn't just small farming, but if you're doing any business that is um, that is moving a product or service, which is basically what businesses do, then you really need to consider compiling an email list. And uh, you may be some of you may be laughing, thinking, "Wow, Troy, email is so two thousands. Tell how old you are." Actually. Email is extremely potent. It's still highly usable, has incredible conversion still. Obviously, I won't bore you with all the numbers from that. But an email list is a way to have a communication point with your customers. Think of it back in the, um, this is really going to date me, back in the 90s when direct mail was huge and I was really hardcore into direct mail. Having mailing lists, you know, being able to mail your customer base uh, a postcard or a letter to say, hey, here's what's transpiring with our business. That's kind of the way email marketing is. You can email your customers on the fly, and you can say, hey, uh, we've uh, Facebook took our page down. Uh, so um, um, fortunately, I have you all. I have all your emails here, so I can communicate with you this way. Uh, come to our website and be sure to uh, look at what we're offering on our website. And you can respond back to this email if you'd like to place an order. You know, some of those things. Having those, some of those things in place can really get you around an issue that you could run into with Facebook. But the neat thing about email marketing, too, and, and again, I won't get too deep in the weeds here, is you can track opens with email. It's, it's, it's a little big brother at some point, but um, if I'm going to send an email blast out to all my customers to say, hey, here's what I've got to offer, um, you can click here if you want to place an order on a whole hog or a half hog. You can click here if you want to see what's in stock right now because and all that stuff drives them to our website. 
I can actually track that. I can see who opened the email, when they opened it. I can see if they clicked on any of my calls to action to visit my website. I can see, did they forward it to somebody? Did they come back and open it multiple times? Uh, there's a lot of data that I can gather from that, and it helps me make you know, proper assessments. If I find a lot of people clicked on my special that I had, but I didn't get a lot of offers, getting an actual lot of takers, I think, well, maybe my discount wasn't good enough, or maybe my hook wasn't clear enough. Maybe I need to incentivize better. So you can really take a lot of data away from that and, and learn how to hone your message. So so there's two things there, website and email list. And how do you how do you harvest email? How do you retain that? Well, you can start just you know, basic gorilla retention there. You could do uh, a Google Sheets, which is totally free, google.com forward slash sheets. It's like a Excel for Google or an Excel spreadsheet. Start that simply. Uh, all of the, the both of those platforms, you can export out that email list and it'll go into any email marketing program. Uh, so, so that's my recommendation. Uh, again, I hope uh, you all found this useful. Again, it's kind of me just talking into the abyss here into the mic, uh, but it's just something I've run into multiple times. Uh, I seem to ask, be asked that question on a, on a regular basis about how do I market my small farm when I have no money? Uh, so that would be my recommendation. Start there, have that redundancy in place, and make sure you're not relying entirely on social media to be the conduit to communicate with your customers. All right. Well, I pray everyone have a great week. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of the Pastured Pig Podcast. To learn more about our podcast or to submit topics or recommend guests for future episodes, visit redtoolhouse.com.